This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000-Inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 66-inch. On this week's episode, we interview radio and voiceover legend Phil Hendry. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-Inch Weird Al Podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-Inch Weird Al Podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. Dave and Ethan's 2000-Inch you don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. I am so excited that we get to talk to radio legend Phil Hendry this week. Yes, not only has he hosted his own syndicated radio show for over 30 years, he also has a couple surprising connections to Al. Yes, if you Google Phil Hendry and Weird Al, the only thing that comes up in your Google search results is a link to an old Ask Al column on the official Weird Al website. In that column, someone asks Al if Phil Hendry did the narration for the UHF trailer, and Al says not only did Phil Hendry do the narration on the UHF trailer, but he also worked with him at Westwood One back in the early 1980s. Yes, and as it turns out, that's not all our friend uh jeff tipped us off that a phil hendry h-e-n-d-r-y not d-r-i-e as we have on this episode was listed on a this is the life music video call sheet so we weren't sure if that was the phil hendry or someone with a very similar name so we got to the bottom of it the only way to find out is to actually ask phil hendry if he indeed was in this is the life music video and we'll find out the answer to that question later on in our interview but before that we should check the 347 spatula hotline this week, the 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, is brought to you in part by father and son, Weird Al fans, Angel Valenzuela, and David Cash. All right, Ethan, let's check out what is on our hotline this week. Hi, Dave and Ethan. It's Trevor, the real-life librarian here. Uh, yes, it, it is a real job. And, yeah, I, I did go to school for it. Um, so, uh, okay, anyway, today someone asked me, can you tell me where I can find a book on astronomy? And I politely replied, don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Then I explained, the Dewey Decimal System is broken into 10 subdivisions going from triple zero to 900, each grouping indicating its own broad subject area. Since astronomy is a science, we want to look in the 500s where the sciences live, and more specifically, look for the number 520, which is where you'll find all the books on astronomy. Now you know some Dewey Decimal System. Oh, and a little Dewey Decimal trivia for you. Dewey number 27 is the section where one can find books about libraries, history of libraries, and library science, with which I am blinding you with right now. Cool, no? Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Wow, I had no idea the Dewey Decimal System was a real thing and not just a joke Weird Al made up for UHF. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I went into this much detail about the Dewey Decimal System was back in grade school in my grade school library i remember we had to <laughs> defile books away by the dewey decimal system and look them up we had to go through card catalogs oh everything is online now it's so much easier yeah i i, I believe in an elementary school 
we had one year of like they started to teach us i think i was in kindergarten or first grade teach us about the dewey decimal system and then literally the next year they got a completely computerized system and i never <laughs> heard of it thought about it <laughs> except for when watching uhf ever again so i love that trevor has all that knowledge thank you so much for being a great supporter great listener trevor and for giving us all that amazing knowledge who would have thought books about libraries would be number 27 and I'm so happy I finally get to know where I can find all the books about astronomy. <laughs> Without getting manhandled. <laughs> Thanks again to Angel Valenzuela and David Cash for sponsoring the 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Now that we got our 347 Spatula Hotline messages out of the way, what is on tap for Weird Al News this week? Well, the first thing is kind of Weird Al related. It is me on a different podcast. What? You're cheating on me? <laughs> Sorry, Dave. I'm cheating on you with Evan Wexel's Awkward with Evan podcast. And I'm wondering, Dave, does that name ring a bell to you? Evan Wexel. Oh, it sure does. Evan Wexel was one of the performers at the Big Rock and Roll Comedy Show, which was the benefit concert to raise money for the Weird Al Star Fund back in 2006. Yes, so Evan and I talk about that on his podcast. And do you remember what song he performed? Ethan, I'm the king of Weird Al trivia. Of course I remember what song he performed. <laughs> Evan performed The Saga Begins. <laughs> That's so great. So I've known Evan for many years, dating back to when I did my radio show, and I actually performed with him on a comedy show. He does really great comedy music. The whole premise of his podcast is that he interviews people on his Facebook friends list. So <laughs> we have been Facebook friends for like 10 years. So it was about time. So we, we got to chat about that. And something really crazy he told me is that he is friends with a comedy group who go by the name Dave and Ethan. You mean there's other Dave and Ethans out there? Surprisingly, yes. <laughs> Man, I need to get onto Evan's Facebook friend list so I can be on his podcast. You should. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> now, I don't know when it's dropping. I think it's going to drop sometime this week or next week. Be sure to check out at Awkward with Evan on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or awkwardwithevan.com. Go on and subscribe, and you got to check out my episode. We talk a lot about Weird Al. We talk about comedy. It's a lot of fun. I think you're going to love it, Dave. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing that. I have not talked to Evan in a while, and I definitely want to hear what he's up to. And I want to hear what you're up to as well. <laughs> well, I talk about this podcast that I'm doing. I don't know if you would care about that, though. No, I already listened to too many podcasts. I don't need another one in my uh, <laughs> library. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's this podcast about Weird Al, and I got this guy I do it with. It's not important. Ah, but is that podcast that you do with that other Weird Al fan pretty stinking majestic? <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right, then I'm definitely going to listen to that one as well. But Dave, there's some big news dropping next week. That's right. John Bermuda Schwartz, our favorite drummer and Weird Al historian, he posted this really cryptic message on his Facebook page. All it said was big news on August 10th. Now, August 10th is this coming Monday, but we have as our guest next week, John Bermuda Schwartz, and we're going to ask him all about that big news, and we're going to talk all about his brand new book of black and white photos. It is going to be a great episode. <laughs> 
You do not want to miss next week's episode, episode 67-inch, for all of the exciting and exclusive information. Another thing you do not want to miss is you do not want to miss our interview with Phil Hendry. We already teased it a little bit earlier in the episode, but now it's finally time to find out all of Phil Hendry's connections to Weird Al. Dave and I are thrilled to have our next guest with us. You may have heard him on Rick and Morty, King of the Hill, Drunk History, F is for Family, Futurama, or maybe over 30 years of his show, The Phil Hendry Show. Please welcome Phil Hendry. How's it going, Phil? Great, man. Thank you for uh, having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, we were so excited when we realized you had a history with Al. Yeah, and um, depending upon what you mean by history, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a great one. It's a great one. It's a great one. It's a, it's um, very proud of Al with uh, what he's achieved and and um, and the money he's made and uh, where he lives now, which is most of the time in Finland. He's not even he's, he's not even here anymore. He doesn't he doesn't care. No, I, I I'm really proud of Alan. I've known him for a long time. I've known him professionally for a long time. Right. I hope you can clarify some things. We have a couple rumors here that we'd love uh, to hear about. But I guess the first one is our understanding is that you worked with Al at Westwood One in the early '80s. Yes, I did. I worked with Al. Um, I was a producer of short. Westwood One is a syndicator of various programs um, for radio, you know, short form, long form, all kinds of con- you know, music shows, you know, sort of informational shows, etc. I was a producer and a writer and a voice talent, and Al worked in the mailroom. And yes. uh, Al, I think Al was fresh from, I think he was fresh from San Luis Obispo where he went to college. But um, when I met him, I think, yeah, he'd, he was just down from college, San Luis Obispo. I know he'd already recorded Another One Rides the Bus, which I think he recorded up there and then yeah, man, I met him. I met uh, Bermuda Schwartz at Westwood One too. Oh, cool. Yeah, and and Jay Levy, their their his first manager. I don't know if Jay's still with him or not, but uh, yeah, yes, he, he is. Yeah, Jay, that's where I met Jay. All those yeah. guys. So Al was in the mailroom. What were Jay and Bermuda doing? Well, Al Al's relationship with me was funny because um, he would literally, as the young guy, the young guy working in the mailroom, he'd he'd cruise by the producers' desks and ask, "You guys want anything for lunch? I'm running for lunch." And most of the time, I, I I'm not sure I asked him. Uh, to get me anything, but we developed this kind of, um, um, we'd throw lines at each other, which is sometimes what writers do or, or comics do. And, and at the time, I was fascinated with the idea of I would select a name, a food, and a place, and I would create restaurant names. So, for instance, I had a, I'd say, Cheops Chili Lounge or Mother Serena's Booze Mountain, you know. The whole thing developed, <laughs> it all developed because I, I thought Burger King was such a grandiose name, you know. I thought, you know, like uh, like like Lou's Burger Palace, something like that. So Al got fascinated with that and he started throwing this stuff back at me. He'd come up to the desk and go, Phil, you know, like, uh, I don't know, Creepy Nancy's Hot Dog Accident. And then he'd, he'd split and go and get food. <laughs> so, and, 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 and we would do it. We'd toss lines, and then finally, when his first album came out, I believe I believe it was the first album. There's a song on there called "Nature Trail to Hell." Do you know that tune? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His second album. Al says that that one was inspired by our conversations of of, of uh, uh, restaurants with uh, benign food <laughs> titles, but weird, strange play, like you know, like uh, like. Uh, you know, Ethel's Taco Porch, you know, and and, 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 that, and so Nature Trail to Hell obviously was the final extension, I think, of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Trippy. Yeah. How long were you and Al together at Westwood One? Well, I mean, I was there as a writer. I was there for a long time, man. I was there from 82 till about 89, 90 when I split and went out and did my talk show 
or my kind of my satire of a talk show. And I think Al, by 85, was really getting, Al, yeah, by 85, 86, Al had not only gotten a whole lot of traction, I think he did his movie. Um, when did his movie come out, man? Like 87, something like that? UHF? UHF came out in 1989. 89. So I think it was before that when he really started, he got an album deal. I think he got an actual real life recording deal. And by 85, 86, 87, I think he was really rocking and rolling. I think he was doing concerts. And I think he'd left the mailroom by by the middle of. Uh, yeah. He literally, man, he, Al, Al literally went from the mailroom to like the concert stage. Um, <laughs> like, awesome, awesome story there. So. Did you guys hang out at all outside of work or was it just, you know, that? Yeah, one time um, Al and I thought of writing and recording something together. Al had a little four track recording machine and it was uh, really cool. I don't think I've ever seen one since. It was a four track. It was a portable four track board with a cassette tape built in. So you could actually do four track mixing on this thing. And he came over to my house. Um, I had an apartment in Sierra Madre, which if you're familiar with LA is way the hell. It's 14 miles to the north and the west of downtown Los Angeles. And I think Al lived on the way on the other side, like Venice Beach, because I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley. So this, this poor guy, Al, he schleps all the way to my place. And we started, we had a concept, man, but I can't even tell you what it was. I don't remember, Al probably will, of a kind of a comedy uh, series or a bit or an idea for a character that we played with that night. Uh, recording this thing but it got like I think it was too unfocused and Al is a writer and a creator and I am too and and um, sometimes you get like too too many strange people in the room and the whole thing just gets too weird you know and I think maybe that's what, <laughs> that's what happened you know but and plus Al, Al is very specific he knew, he knew what he wanted to do I think he was doing stuff for K-Rock which was a local station here in LA and this might have been part of the stuff he was doing for K-Rock, you know, uh, like recorded comedy bits. But he came over to the house. And then the next time I saw Al socially, well, I mean, I, I, I was an extra in his music video, This Is The Life from Johnny Dangerously. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was a trippy day. I, I just watching, that was my first experience ever on an actual set of any kind, you know, and that was that was cool. And I, Dr. Domeno was there. I used to be Dr. Domeno's engineer, too, so... I kind of worked in those circles for a while. But then the next time I saw Al on a social thing was at uh, Trey Parker's wedding reception, which was like um, 14, 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, by then, Al was, you know, legendary. And I, I, I'd had a, a modicum of success, although, uh, you know, he still he would still say to me, Phil, could you get me a drink when you go in the kitchen? I sure, yes, sir. And I'd go and get that. <laughs> and uh, met his wife, beautiful young lady. And uh, but uh, Al was no, he's a great guy. He, um, yeah, we sat there and tripped. We sat there and tripped out on where we were. We were at Trey Parker's house and he had like I think he had a full suit of knight's armor in his living room. And we were wondering, <laughs> why is that? You know, <laughs> like that. So. <laughs> great guy That's great amazing. guy great great guy always a great guy has never been a you know, never acted like a star or anything and uh, uh was always just a good man you know i'm lying uh, al i'm lying so you know you man do you owe me <laughs> i'd love to hear more about this is the life and of course the uhf trailer but I, i'm very interested about what you did with dr demento well i was his engineer at westwood one for a year um, and, uh, bless his heart, Barry put up with me because I, I had, while I was, well, I think I was creative in, in the production room. I didn't know how to, I wasn't, you know, very experienced at multi-track recording, man. I mean, when I got to Westwood one, I started out as a editor of tape and then I moved up to doing actual session engineering. And then I moved up to becoming a producer writer and all that stuff. But, uh, Barry's show was pretty straight ahead 
two-track show, but lots and lots of audio, man. And, um, and we had a really specific studio manager by the name of Michael Jordan. He wanted everything, you know, it had to sound right. It had to be the, the azimuth had to be right, everything. So I, I cut my teeth, but I think I did a good job because I never heard any complaints and uh, sure, met, a lot, <laughs> met a lot of people. Yeah. For that was about a year, yeah, about a year. And, and I was in the studio when, when uh, Al, I think, recorded his first ever like actual cool recording, you know, like where there were real microphones and people that cared about how it sounded as opposed to being in the bathroom <laughs> at San Luis Obispo, you know. <laughs> and I don't remember the song, though, man. Um, that wasn't another one, Rides the Bus? No, it was, it was one... I don't remember the tune, man, but we recorded it there at Westwood One on a Saturday, and and Al was had all of his stuff crammed into the main control room. Oh no, he was in the booth, and we were all standing there in the control room watching this happen. Wow, I, I, you're gonna have to ask him, man. I God, I don't remember the tune. I remember him watching him standing there singing it, man. Like, I can't remember what the song was. Hmm. We'll have to do some research on that. Yeah, yeah, but it was about the time that I was engineering uh, Doctor Demento's show. Maybe I was the engineer on that thing. Maybe that's why I don't remember it because it was like a disaster or something. But I, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I was. I think I was Mike Jordan who was engineering it. And what's the time frame on that one again? That would have been around 81, 82, 82, 81, 82, maybe eighty three. Because I started out at Westwood One, kind of schlubbing around there myself, and that's maybe that's where Al and I got friendly. I was, I was an engineer cutting tape there at, in, in the little editing bay. And I was working the mailroom, so we probably got friendly then, and I got kicked upstairs to being a producer, and then he got kicked upstairs to being a star internationally, and then I couldn't go higher than that, so I just stayed, <laughs> I stayed doing what I was doing. But uh, uh, I think it was right, 81, 82, something like that, depending. And um, what's the, I can see Al singing the first line of the song, and I don't know what the hell it is, man. Cannot tell you. Oh, I'll be dead. Oh, I know what it is. I'll, I'll be mellow when I'm dead, man. Ah, that's the tune. Ah, yes. Okay. I'll be mellow when I'm dead. That was the tune. I'll be a. If you look that up, that may be the very first song he ever actually laid down professionally, as far as I know. But don't quote me. Just, (laughs) just you can lie about me, but don't, don't you know? Don't quote me. Yeah. So I'm looking right now. It looks like he remade that song in '82, but the original recording that you're talking about, it is July 18th, 1981. Boy, that's it, brother. And I had just started at Westwood One too. I mean, wow. yeah, I just started. I started that spring. Maybe I bet you they wanted me in there just to to, to do whatever, like to, to fetch, fetch lunch, you know, whatever, you know, you know, pick up the cut tape off the floor or something. But yeah, that that sounds right. That's about when I was engineering when they had me starting to engineer Barry's show, and yeah, a lot of shit was happening that summer. Now, what's really interesting to me is the fact that you are an extra in This Is The Life is not really evident on the internet. Um, <laughs> it doesn't show up on IMDb, you know. Like, I've, I don't see anyone that's good, talking man. about it. As far as I'm concerned, that's a good thing, dude. I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> I would love to know how you got involved with that and just a little bit about your experience on the set. Well, I mean, I asked Jay. I knew Jay. I knew everybody. Everybody was really just, we were all like family at Westwood One because it was Al's home professionally as well as um jay was in there because he managed dr dometto he, he married he managed uh, i didn't say he married he managed barry hansen <laughs> and um and i got to know jay because i was the engineer on barry's show so we all kind of knew each other and, and i'm i know at one point i must have said hey al's recording a music video yeah man i would dig to uh like be any part of that can i well you want to be an extra yeah so that's probably how, oh, cool. how it happened yeah something like that mm-hmm. and uh, and just going over there i can't even remember man i knew we shot it in hollywood it went into the night 
Um, it was an easy gig uh, because right. all I had to do is at one point in this thing was money thrown in the air and a bunch of people dive for it on the floor. That's what I think we were doing on the floor. And yeah, because I remember I remember diving around on the floor looking for or pretending like I was looking for money. Yeah. And and so I would That's get great. so I'd get a little camera time. I would pop my head up and look around so that maybe the camera would catch me, you know. And I'd say, oh, well, yeah. I, I'm supposed to be down here, okay. <laughs> and I remember there was a it was a nightclub that we were in a nightclub scene and. Uh, the song is playing because it's a music video, and um, right. during that, the playing of that song, all of this action takes place. You know, but I think we did one, two, one or two takes on that man. But they had us like all extras must. We we suffered all day, you know. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it actually was pretty cool. I mean, we sat and uh, and looked and watched and learned, and and that's that's the fun part about that man, as far as I'm concerned, just watching how this gets done, and um, yeah. and then finally when they rolled the camera, we were there and. Uh, did our little bit, man. I think about I made about a hundred bucks, which is pretty good for those days for, for an extra, yeah, for one day for one day of work, yeah. And, but it was cool, and that was my first chance, my first chance in front of a camera, yeah. Did any of the other extras go on to have these major careers? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, that'd be a really good question to ask someday. You know, who who is an extra man that went on to like big time stuff? I, I, I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> now, were you in the end scene there where this chandelier falls? Is that the scene you were in? Well, you know, you, you your guess is as good as mine. We would have to look at that again and um, see. I know I was, my scene, my little um, scene was we were on our knees, our hands and knees on the floor looking for something, I think, because I kept popping my head up out of this crowd just to make sure the camera <laughs> could see me, you know. And, uh, <laughs> And so I believe some, something like money, you know, got thrown in the air. And uh, there was an extra who had his toupee taken off in the middle of this. Do you recall a guy? You remember that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. That guy, that was interesting. And I don't want to talk bad about anybody. I think, I, you know, bless his heart, we all do what we have to do. But I remember, <laughs> I remember one of the extras saying, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? That's why they hire you, because you don't mind having your toupee pulled off. How about that? You know? <laughs> God, I think that would be humiliating for me. I would want. I would never not want to do that. You know. And this dude's like, you know, he's he's. You know, they're rolling it, and he gets his toupee pulled off. Man, apparently that's what. I guess a lot of people have a quote. Our specialty acts, you know, or whatever. That's what they do. Hey, my my specialty. I get my toupee pulled off, and freaking thing. So there's yeah. a market for it. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's somebody somebody out there wants to have a toupee pulled off. Yeah, so. <laughs> I remember it was a lot of fun, and I didn't have a chance to talk to Al because he was constantly, uh, you know, uh, right being pulled this way and that. But uh, it was it was fun, man. And and like I said, it was my very first experience with working around a professional shoot, and so yeah. I, I dug it. And so the next involvement you had was the UHF, you know, Al's film. Mm. Uh, you did the voice on the trailer. Yeah. Yes. How did that come to be? Um, I think by then, you know, Jay knew me and Al knew me and I, I'd been working for, for uh, Barry. I'd been his engineer and I'd also been doing some voiceover. I, I'd been doing some booth announcing at Westwood One. You know, in other words, if they needed a guy to say, coming back on, on the record with Mary Turner, Mary talks with Ario Speedwagon right after this, that kind of stuff. So I did a lot of that and I, and I was engineering, like I say, and I was just doing everything that I could, man. I was, I was you know, trying to, trying to earn a living. And I think Jay and Barry knew me and, and, and Al did to the enough that they knew I was kind of a weird guy. And I, I was, I kind of got, <laughs> I get that kind of got what they did. So they would say to me, you know, and I would say Jay and Al uh, were, were the guys who would say, Hey, Phil, do you want to voice this? Or Phil, do you want to 
we need a voice on the trail. Do you want to do that? I go, yeah, hell yeah, man. Anything that I, anything that was high profile, man, you know, I was trying to dive myself into. So, yeah, that's how I did that, you know. Do you have any memory of the session or, you know, did they send you a script? Were you improvising at all? No, no, improv- no improvisation. Then it, it was done at Westwood One. It was done in, the, in the, um, the, that massive booth they had for all the shows, and that's where they recorded everything. And um, it was uh, probably produced by Jay Levy. Um, who gave me some pointers on how to how to read it, what the tone was, what the what are we talking about here? You know, you know, Phil, you're like the, the dude who does the uh, the you know, there's that there's that movie trailer voice that we all know, the guy who does that whole you know, you know in a world gone mad, you know that kind of shit. I, they probably at some point wanted me to do something like that, um, right. so I, I approximated that. I, I do recall it being uh, rather satirical or tongue in cheek, and yeah. Uh, yeah, to that point. And then I remember I remember the movie. I went to watch the movie with my girlfriend. I thought it was. Funny as hell, so typically Al, because it was a marvelous satire. Yeah. <laughs> and the guys that were in it, like my, the cat that played, Michael Richards was in that, man. You know, and yeah. uh, was that was that after uh, Fridays? Uh, yes, it was. It was the 80s, so it would have been after Fridays. Yeah, right right after Fridays, right before Seinfeld, yeah. Yeah, man, and he was in that, man. There were a lot, I can't remember, but there was some funny-ass stuff in there, man. And the whole fire hose thing, I was trying to think. Did that did that predate <laughs> did that predate Monty Python's vomit fire hose, or was that after? Before I don't know, but it had great, great satire, and, and I think it's one of the reasons why Alan and I hit it off at least you know during those days when he was running for lunch because we both kind of I appreciated his view of the world. It was absolutely um, hysterical and and like I felt on target. Yeah. Yeah. Now, were there any other projects you did with Al? Any other extra work or announcing work? You know, just I served uh, drinks at his pool parties. And, uh, right. Yeah, you know, and I, <laughs> I, I, I would bring his car around. Um, but no, and other than that, no. Uh, I, I went off into the world, and uh, Al went off into, like, the stratosphere. And um, <laughs> and just kind of, we just did our things. You know, he was destined for, you know, the, uh, a musical comedy. And my thing was uh, radio satire. and um, But like I said, I, I really believe... You know, man, it might. You know, I might have said hello to him at things, but the last time I remember seeing Al was was at Trey Parker's wedding reception. Yeah, but he, um, obviously, man, and I've and and I have people that I'm I'm in touch with who listen to my show, but are Stone Al uh, Yankovic fans, um, all over the all over the place. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. I, I I chalk that up to the fact that um, Al's vision of his vision of life in the world is so on target um that uh people who appreciate satire obviously love what he does i mean good satire yeah and i mean so you're very familiar with satire you've for 30 years had the phil hendry show where it's all satire of a talk show it's that's what it was you know and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know anything i think i think um anything that um deconstructs media is first and foremost really fun because uh, I used to do character voices that got people people believed were real and would call the show to talk to them, and <laughs> and I think and I think Al in his way deconstructed reality and 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 media and um, just the way he you know the, the the song parodies themselves were a way of saying this is bullshit you know this uh, what you thought this song was about is not what it's about you know right so um, and that's honesty and that and that's the best of uh, that's that's humor with a point of view that's satire. Thank you. I'm Phil Hendry. Good night. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I was going to ask you about, I was doing some research, and since you mentioned you were on the Dr. Demento show, there is a song that is credited to you called Traveling Pope. 
What can you tell us about Traveling Pope? Oh, man, I don't know. Credited to me? <laughs> I don't know. Back in 1987, he played a song called Traveling Pope, and it was credited to Phil Hendry. Really? Yeah. Was I singing it, or was it just something I wrote? Or... <laughs> I haven't heard it, so I, I don't know why you got credited or how you're involved. I think I came, I came to Barry with... Oh, yeah, on the Dr. Demento show? I came to Barry a right. couple of times with songs, and uh, we did a song on my morning show. I, I did a disc jockey morning show at one time, which was not particularly remarkable, but we did create a couple <laughs> of things on it, and one of them was a satire of uh, Werewolves of London, but I don't know what the hell I called that. I think it was Pit Bulls of Canoga Park or some because <laughs> at that time there was, there were, yeah, there were, a lot of, there were a lot of pit bulls, you know, that were frankly, uh, you know, viciously attacking people. So we naturally found that grounds for humor. And uh, and I think that got played. I don't remember Traveling Pope unless that's a play on uh, uh, Traveling Man by Bob Seger, something like that. I don't remember it at all. Hmm. And, and that, I would tell you if I did, but I don't. I don't remember it at all. But I do know that I would go occasionally to Barry and I'd say, hey, I had this song, man. Do you mind? Uh, I sure hope he didn't feel pressured into playing shit. I don't think he would. He He, he knew what was what was good and what wasn't, so... Right. <laughs> well, Phil, we can check out philhenryshow.com, and you do like five shows a week? Yeah, we do 40-minute shows, and it's really just a kind of a presentation, a satirical presentation of a, of a radio slash some sort of a media presentation, and I play all of the different characters, and um, it's a lot of fun for me. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a, a, the radio business doesn't exist anymore, so I kind of shifted over to the digital platform to do what, what right. I do. Yeah. right. Yeah, it's a good move. Oh. <laughs> no kidding, man. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you for joining us and telling us all about your history with Al. And we're really happy and we're, we're excited to check out philhendryshow.com. Well, thank you for having me, Al. Love you, brother. And uh, hope all is well with you. But something tells me it probably is. In fact, you guys probably know what's going on with Al more than I do. What's he doing these days? Is he, <laughs> is he taking phone He's calls? He's hanging out at home. Oh, is he at home? Okay, great. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a real pleasure to be able to do that for for Al because he's uh, he's always been a great guy and uh, and that, those were some pretty uh, pretty fun days. Thank you so much to Phil Hendry for joining us on the podcast. That was such a great interview, and we learned so much about Al and Phil's connections. After the interview, Dave and I were curious to know more about the "I'll Be Mellow When I'm Dead" recording session Phil talked about. So that was recorded at Westwood One on Saturday, July 18th, 1981, and Phil said some of the details of that fateful day were a little fuzzy, so we asked Bermuda, and he confirmed that it was, in fact, Michael Jordan, who was the recording engineer after all, as Phil had originally thought. Wow, the famous basketball player, Michael Jordan? I'm pretty sure it was someone else, but we'll have to ask Bermuda next week. Okay, sounds good. Another thing that Phil could not remember anything about was his song, Traveling Pope. And we couldn't find any information beyond what was said in the interview online about it. So we asked our good friend and resident Dr. Demento expert, Jeff Morris, of the Demented Music Database over at dmdb.org, if he knew anything about it. Jeff was able to confirm that it was from the KLSX morning show, so Phil Hendry must have been doing that at the time he was at Westwood One. He also thought that, by the way that the playlist was noted, that it is possible that the cassette of the show is the only copy of the song in the entire Demento archives. He said he may have played it from a reel or cart that KSLX had and may not have even had a good dub of it for himself. Jeff is so full of knowledge. Remind me, Ethan, is he one of our 27 plus experts that we have on our payroll? No, he should be. 
So this is great. Jeff was actually able to track down a copy of the show in his archives, and he provided us with a copy of the track. So we'll be posting that over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash 2000inch if you'd like to check it out. And in case you're too cheap to support us over on Patreon for as little as a dollar per month for this amazing and free podcast, here's a brief excerpt. This week's episode is brought to you in part by vegan Mexican restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double wrap to the quesadilla Burrito Burrito. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito your Burrito Burrito. Find them at burritosquared.com and at burritosquared on Instagram. And remember, not every burrito is a Burrito Burrito Burrito, but every Burrito 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 can be Burrito Burrito'd. And in case you could not get enough, here's another brief excerpt. You know what they call me? I'm a traveling pope. I run, I don't lope. Life's a stone drag when it gets too biblical. You know what I mean, baby? Ah! I said I'm a traveling pope. I'll never stop, I hope. It'll be too soon if I never see another encyclical. Hey! I'm the traveling pope. For the whole clip, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash 2000inch and become a Patreon member. You know, each week we can bring you this podcast absolutely free thanks to sponsors like Burrito Burrito, Angel Valenzuela and his son David Cash, and our amazing Patreon supporters like Allison Spencer and so many more who are going to get to hear that whole Travelin' Pope track. Patreon helps us pay the bills and ensures that we can continue to do what we love, and that's making fun, family-friendly, entertaining Weird Al podcasts for you each and every week. Please join us in thanking all of our supporters over on patreon.com slash 2000inch for making this podcast possible. And please consider joining our Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. Another way to support the podcast is by heading on over to shop.2000inch.com and purchasing official merchandise from the official Dave Nathan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast merchandise shop. You can pick up really great items there. You can pick up a Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast logo t-shirt. And you can also get our faces on a tote bag. You can pick up all those great items and more over at shop.2000inch.com. Thanks again to Phil Hendry, Jeff Morris, Trevor Oakley, and all our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters, and sponsors. And thanks to everyone who follows us at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to join our Facebook group by heading on over to group.2000inch.com if you have not already. Do your part and tag fun, weird out, or podcast-related posts on social media using hashtag 2000inch and hashtag Gil and chill. Find us online at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. Make sure to share our posts, tell your friends about the podcast, and we love it when you leave us voice messages via our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. You might even hear your message on the air. You already know where to find us, but do yourselves a favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, or the podcast app of your choice and hit that subscribe button. This is the only way you will not miss a single episode. Brand new episodes drop every Wednesday, but bonus content can drop at any time. Oh, like maybe after a big announcement on Monday? Exactly. We are so very excited for the special guest that we have booked for next week. We welcome back the great John Bermuda Schwartz for another page-turning episode of the podcast. We will have a bookload of questions for Bermuda regarding the mysterious cover story news that drops on Monday. (laughs) 
that was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 66-inch. Cheops Chili Lounge, Mother Serena's Booze Mountain, Lou's Burger Palace, Creepy Nancy's Hot Dog Accident, Ethel's Taco Porch, 